This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Presented by Liquid Spirits Beverage Catering Company. Hey there, welcome into episode 61 of Small Talk. I'm your host, Michelle Smallman. And as you can tell by the sound of my voice, I'm not doing so hot this week. I'm a little sick, but you know what? That is not going to stop me. I love that you guys love this podcast, so we're going to power through. This sickness, though, has a bigger consequence than me just sounding busted on this podcast. I'm in my cousin's wedding this weekend. Shout out Kelly, shout out Josh. And I certainly cannot be sick for that. Um, one of the perks of my new gig is that where my desk is, I sit next to a lot of the guys from The Point, which is the monster, monster alternative station here in St. Louis. I'm learning a lot from them. They certainly approach things differently than the sports guys. But anyway, I mentioned to one of them that I was a little under the weather, and he gave me a recipe for a liquid, an elixir, that he swore would help me out. But he got this recipe from Nickelback. That's right, Nickelback, the band. I know. I I had the same reaction. Here's a concoction. It's a throat coat tea, a little squeeze of lemon, you work in some honey, and you add four gummy bears. Sounds great. Sounds delicious. Sounds soothing. But also, the Nickelback factor. I don't know. I don't know if I should do it and drink it. I don't know if I trust any recipe that comes from a band in the butt rock genre, but hey, I'm desperate. So I'll certainly keep you updated on that. My sickness aside, we have a great, great guest lined up for you this week. You've heard Saruti, Tom, and I talk about how much we love this guy. And he's finally coming on the pod. And I'm talking about Willie Cologne, my man. You may know him from his very successful NFL career as an offensive guard for the Steelers and the Jets. He's a Super Bowl champion. He won Super Bowl 42 with that great 08 Steelers team. You hear him and see him now with his outstanding media work. He's the co-host of Barstool Breakfast on Sirius XM with Barstool Sports. He does great social content for them as well. He's also an NFL analyst for SNY. He's all over the place. And as you'll hear, he's one of the realest guys ever. He's just absolutely the best. So I'm very excited to welcome Willie Cologne to the pod this week. Willie, how you doing? Thanks for jumping on and chatting with me this week. Apologies in advance for my voice. I'm a little sick. Oh, I'm excited and I'm doing extremely well because I'm talking to you and I miss you and you're the best. Oh, you know, you're the best. All right. Well, first of all, congratulations are in order to you. I know you and your amazing wife, you guys are expecting your first child. Uh, I was talking to our guy, Steve Cerruti, who produced for Rosilla when you filled in for us. He sent me your gender reveal video and I was laughing <laughs> so hard. It's incredible. A plus content. Everyone needs to go check it out. So take me through your gender reveal. Here's you sitting in a dunk tank and take everybody through what happens in that moment. Yeah. So when we, uh, when me and my wife discovered, uh, you know, we're going to have a kid, um, we were like, man, you know, you, you, first of all, you see all the gender reveals on Instagram and you see how they work and you're like, man, we, you know, me and my wife, we're both, we're both creative, you know, we're kind of go-getters and you're like, man, we got to, we got to do something that, that's going to rock the world. We, we want to, we wanted to be special. Uh, so we both, uh, drew a blank and I was like, one day we were sitting, I was, she was sitting on the couch and I was on the floor. I was like, you know what, let's do a dunk tank. And she was like, what do you mean? So I was like, you know, I'll sit on the, you know, I'll sit on the diving board, if you will. And you hit the bullseye. And then when I land in the water, you know, maybe have somebody construct something where, you know, maybe if I hit the the water, I'll step on pods and it'll release the color of the gender. And so we went back and forth for a while. Uh, well, the problem is, Michelle, you know, ever since I left the field, I gained a couple LBs. So they had, uh, we were able to call find a vendor. Call the guy. He's like, listen, I'm not 
220 pounds, nor am I 250 pounds. I'm actually over 300 plus pounds. Um, you have to tighten them springs uh, or I won't be able to get up there. And so he was like, all right. The guy calls us back. He's like, well, Willie, it's, it, we're fine. Uh, I just had to go to a, a, like an auto zone or a mechanic shop to kind of get, like, you know, big man and do springs for the junior reveal. <laughs> Uh, he said he pretty much had to go to a car, like some type of mechanic shop to kind of, you know, reinforce the thing. Uh, so I was like, bet. So we get there, we get there, uh, the dunk tank comes, my family's over and we're sitting there. I'm like, you know, time comes, I get on, uh, the diving, the diving board wheel, uh, if you will. My wife, you know, they give her three balls so she can hit the bullseye. Now I'm thinking, you know, well, how do I let, you know, how do we get these people to know that what, you know, the gender of the baby's going to be? They gave me these bath bombs. So I don't know if you know, you know, bath bombs are not every, I assume every woman knows what a bath bomb is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they put these two bath bombs in my swimming trunk, trunks, and when I hit the water, they're supposed to dissolve and release the color. Well, boom, I get it. I get on the diving board. My wife's in position to throw the, the ball to hit the bullseye. Family's cheering. Now, the whole time leading up to this, I think it's going to be a girl. I've done a lot of great things in my life. Some things I haven't done. I've been an asshole. Uh, can I curse? I apologize. Of course, yes. You can say whatever you uh, want. So, Swear away. Great. So, and so uh, I've been an asshole, and I was a little bit of a heartbreaker. So I was like, oh, it's only going to be right. God is going to bless me with a girl for all the bad, you know, all the you know, dirt bad things I've done in my life. It's going to be a goddamn girl. <laughs> um, and fast forward, I'm convinced it's going to be a girl. Not even thinking about it. So... My wife starts, you know, she loads the first one up, bang, hits the, you know, barely hits the uh, bullseye. She throws another one, bang, she misses again. She throws the third one. Now, she's throwing the third one. I'm like, all right, we're going to be the couple, you know, the non-athletic couple that doesn't hit it. She's got to walk up to it, press the, you know, press the, you know, the button, and then I'm going to go right in the water. So if you see me, if I, as I'm on a diving board, I'm not expecting her to, to nail it on the third try. Well, she absolutely bangs it. I hit the water. And as I'm underwater, I like I open my eyes and I'm looking to see what color it is. Well, the the, the container is blue where I fall into, so I can't see anything. And so as I'm underwater, I can hear people cheering, but it sounds like booze. So I'm like, "Oh, it's a girl!" Because we had a lot of men there, so I was like, "Oh, it's a girl!" So I pop up out of the water and I just see blue confetti, and I absolutely lose my shit. <laughs> and everybody's running crazy, and, and I, I was so excited, and I was so surprised. Even my wife was surprised. She even thought it was going to be a girl. As I grabbed the cage, uh, the cage just blew off, and I, and I, I know I look like, you know, a T-Rex coming out of a science, you know, science lab, uh, so I looked crazy, but it was just so crazy and nuts, and I was so surprised. I was so wild, uh, and my brother, actually, at the end of the video, if you watch, he knocks over my wife. I saw that. Yeah, my brother came in pretty hot. He was excited. And he, I think for my family, and particularly the men in my family, we sit around every Thanksgiving and every Christmas, and it's a house full of women, and there's only four guys. So to have my son, my future son, come, and, and now we have another man a part of the family, it was just a blessing. But I, the kicker is, so when my brother knocked over my wife, he actually broke her wrist uh, no. when she fell. Yeah. So you see her, she, broke, she, she, she fell, she broke her wrist. Um, she walks over to me and she's like, I'm like, oh, you're not happy? She's like, I think I hurt my wrist. And I look down. It's a little puffy. And I'm like, I'll shake it off. It's your non-thrown hand. You'll be ready by week one. Uh, and she's just like, nah, it hurts. So I end up having to, you know, after the, the gender review, I end up having to take it into the emergency room and find out it was like a small fracture. 
Uh, so we had to cast her up for a little bit, but now she's doing she's doing just fine. Well, I'm glad to hear she's doing well. But my gosh, <laughs> this is just any indication of what your son's going to be like for her. I feel bad for her. <laughs> right. We we expect him. He's going to be a rock star for sure. Oh yeah, I picture him being very cool right out the gate, wearing like a baby fedora or something. Exactly. Exactly. He's going to be fired up. All right, Willie. So you're with Barstool Sports right now. You're co-hosting Barstool Breakfast. I love the social media content you're putting out, like Beats and Eats. And you're such a funny guy, such a genuine guy. You say what you think. You say what you feel. And I imagine that working at a place like Barstool where there aren't as many restrictions is a good landing spot for you. So I want to know, what's it like for you working there? Are, are there any rules there? Or are you just allowed to say and do whatever you want and create good content? Yeah, I think content's king. Um, I think when people think about Barstool, they just think about this wacky, super in-your-face, kind of edgy, comedic internet site. Um, we There's a lot of characters. I think when you come to Barstool or anybody that wants to go to Barstool, it's a very humbling place. I think a lot of people think they're funny and they have great ideas. And, and when you have this kind of, all right, here, it's almost it's like I consider it open gym, right? So you have this open gym, and somebody just you know goes, "Hey, here's your ball, go play," uh, and they come back with a masterpiece. I think when people go through that process and realize, like, man, this is a lot harder than it thinks, um, than I than I thought it would be. People get intimidated, and it can be a very frustrating and very kind of lonely atmosphere. But Barstool does give you that free reign and does give you that ability to kind of discover your own, uh, yourself and rather your content and make it art and make it, um, you know, you have to be able to sell it. You have to be able to, uh, produce it and kind of, you know, frame it up and people do struggle with it. And when I first got to bars, I was able to, uh, get there by the likes of Julie Stewart Binks, because when I was with ESPN, she had just joined Barstool, uh, and I was doing ESPN New York and I was jumping over to Anita Marks and Julie had called me. She's like, Hey, we got this morning show. I think you'd be great at it. It's me. Uh, I Francis Ellis, who was a comedian, a comedian, a comedian skilled at the time, comedian. Um, and I and I auditioned for the show, and I jumped on, and it worked out. And it just kind of started manifesting itself. And I think it was something that I was attracted to because I won. I wanted to be on radio, and I wanted to do radio and TV, and I also wanted to be myself, and I wanted to be, you know, kind of. For instance, I was on the ESPN on the ESPN in the morning. Uh, with ESPN New York with Anita Marks on Saturday, and I was talking. I had made a, a joke about, uh, you know, colonics with cologne, and, and kind of being silly with that. And then I, I said, some, I said something along the lines like, you know, uh, you know, asparagus makes your piss stink. And after I got off the air, I kind of got like not a slap on the wrist, but I was told in a very corporate, polite way that this is Disney. Disney owns ESPN, and we have to be careful with our verbiage, and we have to be careful with what we say and how we say and how we go about um, our content and how we talk. And I was like, in my head, as I'm kind of getting this, and not lashing, but just kind of this, uh, just talking to, and I was like, that's the, possibly the lightest thing I could ever talk about. You know what I mean? It just yeah. was, it was, it was, like, I didn't, I felt, to me, I felt like I didn't say anything to offend anybody nor um, cause any uh, headlines. So, I was like, hmm, this is interesting. And then when I got to Barstool and I started meeting guys like Big Cat and I started seeing uh, Dave Portnoy and I started being around these guys who were just genuine guys, guys, and football and sports guys and just kind of these free spirits. Um, it was in your face but also just funny. Um, I liked it. I took to it. And the platform that we have now with me and my co-host Large, 
uh, Mike McCarthy, who worked on uh, Wall Street for over 25 years and is a family man, but is a, is a brilliant writer, very smart man. Uh, and then you have Patty, my producer, and then you have Jetski, who's kind of, you know, he's a content, he's a, you know, he's kind of our cameraman, producer. He does a lot, and he's content in himself. And now we have Zah. Uh, so we're kind of a mixed family. And I think what we're able to do every morning is just be us, be real, be unapologetic. And we're not the best at facts, and you're not the best of always being, we're not the best at being true to everything that uh, gets put out there. We try to educate ourselves and do better. But I think we try to just, you know, we try to make people laugh and we have fun and we, we try to create our own brand within it. And I think it's working so far. So, but Barsu has given me an opportunity to show people who I really am um, at my best and sometimes at my absolute worst. But I'm, I'm, I'm being me. And I, I think that's, that's freeing for a guy who spent, you know, a long time on the field playing for the Steelers, playing for the Jets. You know, football was my escape. So now I treat Barsu like that. It's my escape from trying to be so, you know, I guess uh, wine, wine tight uh, with the act, you know, kind of the the bubble of you know now you're a professional athlete, you're a role model, you got to watch yourself, you got to do what you do. Barstool kind of gives me that escape of just saying, hey, I want to say fuck this morning fifty times, I'm gonna say fuck this morning fifty times. If I if I want to do what I want, I'm gonna do what I want. And um, some people love it, some people hate it, uh, but most people uh, appreciate it. Well, I think it's a great landing spot for you, and it's it's so fun to see you get to showcase your personality in that way. It had to be so jarring for you, coming from a locker room environment where you get to chop it up with everybody all the time, make jokes however you want, to working in a Disney-type environment. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know what it is? I think uh, when I'm on air, I do treat it like the locker room. And I think when I how I approach it is when you're in a locker room and you're dealing with your teammates, people come from different walks of life, uh, different genders, different races, different religions. And everybody has a perspective. Um, and one thing Barstool offers is different perspectives. And it also uh, offers, you know, some stuff that's going to rattle your cage and make you go, and some stuff, you know, you know what? I never thought about it like that. I see where you're coming from. And that's what the locker room does for a lot of athletes. It makes you see things through other people's lenses. And sometimes you hate it and sometimes you appreciate it. But at least um, you learn from it and there's a lesson in everything. And I, that's why I do think Barstool is – you know, it's a juggernaut in itself. I think people, we live in a very PC culture. You know, mm-hmm. you, you talk about all these comedians now are kind of clapping back, if you will, because you can't say anything no more. Everybody's just hyper offensive. And sometimes people are just wanting, you know, they're, they're trollers. They want to make people upset just for the sake of, the sake of being upset. I think Barsu is relevant and more relevant than any other time because I think they're pushing back against that. Um, and pe- there are people who are just tired of being so buttoned up and careful and they just want to, be able to express themselves, even if it's inappropriate, even if it's a little vulgar. Or, and, you know, sometimes, a lot of times, you know, people want to have an opportunity to say what they want to say, how they want to say it, and just get it out. And I think it's, it, we're in a weird time. And we talk about a lot, we talk about that on the show a lot about, you know, the PC culture, you know, people get offended, the blue check, the raid, the uh, brigade, excuse me, um, you know, the council nation, everything's cancel, 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 cancel. Uh, so it, it we're in a weird space, and I think Barstool's kind of, you know, locking arms with a lot of people who just feel like, hey, wait a minute, man, let's just, let's let's have an open mind about what's 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 being talked about, and let's either, you know, you you do have the right to either love it, and if you don't love it, you have a choice not to listen and just walk away from it. That don't mean you have to ruin it for everybody else. 
Absolutely. Okay, so you mentioned your playing careers. I obviously want to talk to you about the Steelers because they're in the news lately. So Ben Roethlisberger, a guy you know well, you played with him, you won a Super Bowl with him, you protected him for crying out loud. He's unfortunately out for the season with an elbow injury. In his statement, he says he feels in his heart that he still has a lot left to give. But when you look at the situation, you know, he's going to be 38 in 2020. And he's done the maybe I'll hang it up dance before. So what do you think the future holds for Big Ben? I don't know. I don't really don't know. I've been asked that a lot this week. I think with him is he has to believe he has to have that conversation with himself. And sometimes even as an athlete, you can have that conversation. The organization uh, organization uh, may have other plans for you. Uh, I think at first is he needs to one get healthy, two really evaluate where he's at and and how he feels about his legacy in his own career, and I think three just take an honest approach. And if he's done um, with football you know you can look at his resume he's like man he was a hell of a quarterback he's going to go down and he's going to be in the hall of fame he's going to go down as one of the best um to ever do it but if he does come back i think the fact that because i know him personally he's going to be hell on wheels he's going to come back fired up he's going to be ready to go he's going to be you know he's going to be motivated uh and i think he's going to be willing to really go harder than ever because i think there's a lot of people who are already saying all right well ben's done let's get ready for mason rudolph uh, or the next big thing that's going to walk through Pittsburgh. But I think Ben's a fighter, man. He's been through a lot. He always stands up. He always bounces back. He's as tough as rusted boat nails. Uh, so if, he's, if he says he's coming back, I believe him. Another guy in Pittsburgh that I'm so in- intrigued by, and I've always been intrigued by him, is Mike Tomlin. But I feel like he's a guy that everybody talks about such positive things. You hear how great of a coach he is. But then when Antonio Brown finally leaves the fold and you see just maybe what he was dealing with all of this time, you have even more respect for a guy like Mike Tomlin. You realize how much he is able to relate to his players, keep certain things in house. And since you're a guy who obviously knows him, I want to ask you, what is it about him that makes him such a great coach? I think his ability to, you know, when I was with Bill Carr, Bill Carr, uh, and I had, then I got to be careful because Bill Carr was at the end of his tenure with the Jets. You know, he, when my rookie year, he had ended up, leave, he ended up leaving. Um, but there's always that disconnection from the locker room, right? Like some coaches just stay in the office and, you know, they rarely visit the locker room. They rarely get around and talk to guys. You know, they just only address the guys on the field and they go back to doing what they have to do as a head coach. Bill Carr was at that time, um, he would come in the locker room, but I don't know if he talked to everybody. Um, Mike Tomlin, I know for a fact, every day after practice addresses every man. Um, and it's not, it doesn't have to be a long-winded conversation, but he always goes around the locker room and says, hey, man, how you doing? Or, hey, man, I need to do better on this plan. Or, hey, man, how's your kid? How's the wife? Or, hey, what do you think about you know the game last week? He talks to every man about something. There's always something personalized to each man. And he does that after, and when I was at the Steelers. Um, he did that to every man that that held a helmet for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So there was a connection. There was a line of communication. Um, every coach always says, well, there's an open-door policy. Anything that you have going on, if you want to talk about, just walk on it. That's not always true. They may say that, but they may not believe it. Mike Tommy communicates. Um, he relates. He has a very eccentric way, eccentric way of going about who he deals with sometimes and who he doesn't deal with and then what he expects from different guys. Uh and I think, in, in, I think we throw around the the, the the verbiage or the word players coach. I wouldn't say he's a players coach. I think he's a great, really great facilitator. And I think he's a great leader in reference to being able to tap into guys. And some projects work and some projects don't. And I think 
for the media standpoint, we always hear half the story. It's never the full story that is ever being told. So, um, and in case in reference to Antonio Brown, I think people are now saying, you know what, man, this guy maybe not be a good guy. Start, you know, have sympathy for Mike Tomlin. I don't think Mike Tomlin wants sympathy. I think he gave Antonio uh, Brown his best and, and try to help Antonio and really try to understand where Antonio was coming from, what he was dealing with. Antonio Brown just had other plans, and he, you know, he was operating by a different set of rules in the Steelers and everything. You know, they kind of had to part ways. But I always appreciate Mike for being honest and thorough and detailed, and always having a lot of communication with every guy who wore a helmet for him. And that goes a long way. All right, one more football question for you before we have some fun. So Eli Manning, we get the news that Daniel Jones is taking over at quarterback for the Giants. You knew it was coming, but, you know, it's still kind of sad whenever something like this happens. But the Eli Manning debate is so interesting to me because here's a guy who's a first-round pick in 2004. He's played, obviously, over 10 years. He's won two Super Bowls in New York. He beat the Patriots in both games, MVP in both games. To be in a position like that in New York and remain scandal-free is an award within itself. But when you think about Eli or talk about his legacy, there's always this meh factor about him. So in your opinion, how would you describe Eli Manning's career? Well, first of all, I had the opportunity to interview Tiki Barber today, and I think he made a very fair point about Eli Manning. You know, before you wanted to, when people judged the quarterback position, they wanted a guy who was fiery, you know, who could put on a Superman cape, who can lead a group of men, who was, who was, you know, who was just kind of this Captain America type guy. Well, Eli Manning, that's not his personality. We all see it. He's, he's very stoic. He's very uh, poised. He's very calm. But he's like that consistently. And now when we judge quarterbacks, uh, we see we judge them on how are they, how do they handle pressure? You know, how do they respond when everything's on the line, when the city's yelling for a touchdown, when, when a team is just in need of a desperate play or some type of, you know, miraculous action? Um, they, want to, they want to know how do you, you know, does this quarterback have some of that, uh, you know, the ice in the veins type of mentality? And now he, and Eli has always been that. He's always been cool under pressure. He's always been very controlled while the rest of the sideline is screaming and, 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 and you know, throwing things and, 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 you know, kicking helmets and all that nonsense. Eli's always been under control. He's been calm. So he's led in that regard. So now when you judge a quarterback, you look for what Eli Manning has been able to do his whole career is be cool under pressure, stay calm, not get overwhelmed. Um, not get rattled, not get frustrated, just be, you know, stay focused on the task and go right hand. And his whole career, there's, there's nothing, that's gonna, nobody's going to be able to take away his two Super Bowls, uh, especially against the Patriots. And nobody's going to be able to take away his ability to always bounce back. You know, he's always been durable. He's a durable quarterback. And he's always taken on the media. He's been a class act. And so for me, yeah, is Eli a Hall of Famer? I got to say, yeah, he is in my eyes. Um, not just how he carried himself off the field, but what he was able to do uh, in his time on the field. And, you know, everybody has his time. Now, you know, now that Daniel Jones was like he'll be starting this week, I expect Eli to be a class act. I expect um, Eli to be decorated and celebrated even, even when he's done with football because he's been what you want your quarterback to be as of right now, cool, calm, and to deliver under pressure. He's, you know, he's an example of that his whole career. 
Yeah, I feel like if you gave someone a blind resume, like a blind taste test with Eli's stats, and you said, is this person a Hall of Famer? They'd say, yeah, of course he is. Yeah, you know what 100%. I mean? Okay, so now I want to have a little bit of fun with you before we let you go. So okay. uh, you may not know this, Willie, but you're on my Mount Rushmore of people that I want to get a drink with. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. Really? So, uh, to give I, have a, a, I have a beer garden, so when you come to New York, you got to come. Oh, done. 100% yeah. done. Okay, so to give some context, when I first met you, you had come in. In at ESPN to fill in co-host with Rosillo. And yeah. you're with Saruti and Freeze Pops, who pe- listeners of this podcast are super familiar with. And we were not prepared for the Willie Cologne experience. We had heard that you were great. We obviously knew who you were. But you come in, it's Jersey Day. You're wearing the sleeveless jersey, nothing underneath. You have this insane watch. You come bearing gifts from your bachelor party. You're like, here are these insane sunglasses. Here's my mixtape, which, by the way, I still have. It's an incredible mixtape from your bachelor party. You have all these unbelievable stories. And it was a party in that control room. We had the best time with you, and we were dead sober. So I can't imagine how much fun it would actually be to oh, go boy. out with you and hit the town. Yeah, we'll tear, we'll burn some shit up, for sure. <laughs> okay, so since you're on my Mount Rushmore of people that I want to party with, I want to know who's a famous person, a player, somebody that is on your Mount Rushmore of people that you want to party with. Oh, man. Uh, for sure, Lawrence Taylor. Um LT, what he meant to New York, especially when his hell raising days. Oh man, I, I, I couldn't. You know, probably, I'll probably walk away with stories I'll just die with because he was just such a kick ass, badass ball player. So LT is on, on my Mount Rushmore. Um, as far as uh, actor actress, um, I think I would I would love to party with a uh, Robert De Niro. Yeah, Rob De Niro would probably be one of my guys. On my, he'll be on my route, Mount Rushmore, if, if you will. Uh, cause I just think he he would just I think he would just be gold, man. I think he would just have stories and jokes for days. Oh, for sure. Uh, um, another person I would love to get crazy with, um, probably Bill Murray. Is Bill <laughs> Murray okay? I think yeah. Bill Murray. I can see myself like at the end of the night, you know, smashed in the face, drunk, just being in some weird dive bar, you know, playing connect for it with Bill Burr and just laughing my ass off, smoking a joint and just just having a time of my life playing like Stevie Wonder in the background jamming uh, old school hip hop, like Trap Call Quest or something like that. Um, so Bill Murray's up there and uh, how many is on the right? Four, four, right? Four, four, one more, four. yeah. My last one, um, my last one, and it would have to be a musician. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm a, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with um, I don't know if you know this guy, but his name is uh, Billy Ocean. He's an old old artist, old '80s artist. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I would I would love to rock out with Billy Ocean. Just get crazy. See, this is why you're so great, Willie. I would have never in a million years <laughs> guessed that Bill Murray and Billy Ocean would be on your mouth. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah, I would, that would tear some shit up. All right, well, then who's someone that you have partied with that you just think is an awesome time, an awesome hang? Uh, famous or not famous? Either one. Um, somebody I party with that has a great time that I love partying with. Uh, you know, when my, when my, you know, my wife's a little older than me, but one thing that one of the things I always loved about her was her ability. She's a Michael Jackson nut job, and I love getting drunk and dancing with my wife. Um, I just enjoy it. I know it sounds like really like, oh, look at Willie. Uh, but, um, yeah, her and my, my, my family, I love 
getting wasted and partying with my family. I think it's just it's always a fun time, and um, I just appreciate it. So I, I think my wife, my brother, uh, those like those are people I just love getting blasted, and when they're drunk and we're laughing, it's just it's a festive time. I got to meet your wife when I ran into you guys at the U.S. Open a couple years ago, and yeah. so I bet that she is a great time. Yeah, she's a riot, man. When we uh, when the music's good and we, I'm drinking, we dancing, and we we can we can we can tear up dance floor up, man. I love it. We we get down. All right, we're going to get to 10,000 Frogs, and for the listeners, I've already debriefed Willie on the construct of 10,000 Frogs, so he's geared up, he knows what to do, he's ready to go. But before we do that, Willie, you are a man about town, a professional athlete. I'm sure you've dated some interesting characters in your day. So do you have a horrible date story that you can share with me? Oh, man. Um, really bad. Like, first date or just, like, dating a girl? Yeah, in general, just a moment where you were like, this is something I'm going to tell my boys about. This was nuts. Yeah, so I was dating this girl one time, and it was New Year's, uh, and I was in Pittsburgh. And, we, you know, we're going to a New Year's Day party, and Plexico was there, and a bunch of Steelers were there, and we're kind of there uh, all together. We're celebrating New Year's together. And um, she gets dressed to the nines, I get dressed to the nines, and... We go to this party, and her and my uh, my best friend, who was living at me, living with me at the time, we're kind of, you know, they weren't they weren't very too fond of each other. So anyway, uh, we we go to this party. We bring the we bring in the new year. We go across the street. We go to this other party. Uh, it's packed to to the rim. We're dancing, dancing, dancing. All of a sudden, I see my not my, uh, the girl I was dating at the time. I see um, security ex, ex, pretty much escorting her uh, out the out the place, and I was like, hey, hey, what's going on? And the security, and I kind of knew him. He was like, man, she's got to go. She just hit a guy. And I was like, man, I was just like, what the hell? Like, who are you hitting? What are you talking? And she's like, I want to go, you know, fuck this place, yada, yada, yada. Well, come out, come to find out the guy who she uh, hit was my best friend. And so now my at the time, my friend is, my best friend's living with me. She's staying with me. And so this is going down. So I'm like, damn, okay. I got. I just get her out of there. We go back to the um, our place, and we, you know, we go finish and have an adult night. And I wake up the next morning. She had to fly back to New York, so I take her uh, to the airport. And you know, we kind of say, you know, it's just a rough night. It was ugly. And I'll see you when I get back in New York. I'll see you the next time. You know, soon. Uh, and she's like, fine, okay, babe. You know, kiss and you know, farewell. So uh, I was. I had another apartment in the city. So. I go to my apartment in the city. I stayed I stayed near the airport in Pittsburgh, and I also had an apartment in the city. So I go to my apartment in the city. And mine is Pittsburgh, so snow on the floor or whatever. So I'm in my apartment, you know, just kind of milling around. I get on the phone. My, my boy calls me, who lived with me, who was pretty much assaulted that night on New Year's Day. Uh, calls me. He's like, man, this is unfair. This is bullshit. Uh, you know, how can you let her do that? You know, I thought we were best friends. We've been friends since childhood, since we were children. Uh, like, what's going on? And I said, I'm confused. I'm like, man, what are you talking about? Like, what, what's going on? So he had come home from work, and he had walked in his room, and all his stuff was ruined. She had taken all his suits and dumped them. Uh, she had, took all his suits, left my place, and, and pretty much dumped in all the, like, the trash cans around the neighborhood. She killed his goldfish. What? Uh, yeah, I, I, he had a fish tank. She killed the goldfish. She also, uh, like, destroyed his bed with all this stuff um, and, like, too much trashed his room. Now, you're saying, I know people are listening to this, like, Willie, how did you not know that? I'm like, I'm a deep sleeper, especially when I'm drunk. 
So I had no recollection of any of this happening. Um, and so I'm like, man, so I told him, I was like, hey, man, I'm totally sorry. You know, if there's anything I can do, like, I, I was like, bro, I'll pay for your suits. I'll get you a couple of suits because he worked and he, you know, he's into politics. He's like, you know, this is bullshit, Willie. I never did anything to her. I didn't touch that girl. She assaulted me. So I said, okay. So I get on the phone. I hang, I hang up for him. I get on the phone. With, you know, she had landed. She, she's like, hey, babe, I landed in New York. Uh, you know, I just want to say I had a great weekend. Da, da, da. I said, hey, why did you do that to, you know, my boy's room? Like, what? what's going on? That's, that's uncalled. I can't have you do that. No bullshit you, Michelle. This is how you know you're dealing with a psychopath. <laughs> she goes, he had it coming and hangs up the phone. Oh. Now this, this girl went from being sweet, bubbly, cute, to once I asked her, like, why would you do that? You can't do that. That's totally inappropriate, yada, yada, yada. With the coldest voice I've ever heard, he had it coming. Oh. Bang, hangs up the phone. And I was just like, you know what? Nope, can't, that's, can't have that. And I we broke up. And so it still wasn't sitting because I didn't see the incident. I went back to the the bar I was at, and I knew security. I knew the people. I was like, man, something happened. Can I see the video from last night? Sure enough, uh, she comes out the bathroom. My buddy's coming the, uh, the other way, and they you know, kind of cross paths in the hallway. And she just goes off on him, and she starts swinging on him. And he's, like, pushing her back, uh, kind of, like, trying to hold her off. And that's when security kind of broke it up. And I was, and I so I ended up talking to her, but I was like, what what was all that? Like why what you know, what what how did we get there? And she pretty much was like, I mean, I, I can't stand them, I can't stand none of your friends, you know, you just all this other stuff and all this other nonsense and I was just like, Well that doesn't give you a right to insult, you know, to put your hands on anybody. And um she was just like, Well, nobody tells me what to do. I reacted how I chose to react. And I was just like, Well, best of luck to your wife, Sudie And that was it, man. Wow. That, okay. Yeah. So, so that was an awesome story. Um, <laughs> I also feel like good thing you cut her loose because how do you know when she would decide that you had it coming next? Sure. Sure. I don't know. But that was, that was I, I read the writing on the wall for that one. Oh. I saw it. Man, well, now I feel like these stories I'm about to present to you are not going to be as good. <laughs> but since you have, you have obvious experience dealing with a psychopath, you're the perfect person to play 10,000 Frogs with. Dating is really, really hard. Uh, so listen, I want to ask you something. Uh, can I get your number? But don't worry, listeners. You have to kiss 10,000 frogs before you find the one. Can I have your phone number? Can I have it? Will you give me your number? Can I have it? Can I have your number? Let's get through this together. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Small Talk presents 10,000 Frogs. Okay, here's the first one. So I met this guy on a dating app. He was so sweet. He was super hot. He seemed to be very successful. We chat on the app for a while. Then we took it to text, and he asked me to meet him for dinner and drinks that same week. He suggested Thursday. I asked him if we could do it Friday because you always want to have a few drinks on the first date. I thought it would be better to do so without having to work the next day. But he was very adamant that we had to do it on Thursday, so I obliged. He took me to a super nice restaurant, which kind of surprised me because it was a first date. But it gave me the vibe that he was really 
really interested in me. So we're drinking, we're laughing, we clearly have a connection. I start hoping that he's going to ask me to go back to his place after dinner. So we wrap up the dinner portion of the meal. We're talking about where to go for drinks after dinner when all of a sudden a lady approaches our table to chat with my date. He starts to act really nervous, uncomfortable with her standing there. He just introduces me as Jessica and the next words out of her mouth still haunt me. She says, how's your wife and the new baby? And he smiles, says they're both doing wonderful as if this was totally normal. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? So when she leaves the table, I asked him if he was married with a baby. And he said, and I shit you not, what? Like that matters? Yeah, dude, it does. I kept thinking about how I almost hooked up with a married guy and how I bet he suggested Thursday night because he had to be with his family on Friday. I left the table. I never saw him again. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) I'll tender. Not good, right? Not good at all. The one takeaway I get is, why would you, I mean, if if, it, if it's really a wham-bam, thank you, ma'am, why spend all that money on a goddamn five-star Michelin restaurant? <laughs> you know, you can do that. I mean, you you, you probably would have been safer going to a pizza spot and getting a pie and then getting, you know, doing what he planned to do. So, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a scumbag. He's a psychopath. Psychopath. Okay, next one. I take this girl out that I met online. We meet at a bar for some drinks. She gets white girl wasted pretty quickly. (laughs) Starts crying. Tells me she didn't even want to come on this date because she was freshly back home. I said, what does that even mean? She proceeds to tell me that she recently went through a really rough breakup that led to a breakdown and caused her to have a stint in a mental institution. I was like... Holy shit. Well, it's okay. You're doing great, I guess. She says she needs to go to the bathroom to compose herself. And I say, okay, go ahead. Take take your time. I don't really know what to do next. So I just sit there drinking. Like 20 minutes goes by. I'm not sure if I should go in there and find her. So I ask the female bartender to. Turns out she's sitting on the floor of the bathroom drunk, obsessively calling her ex who isn't picking up the phone. Once she returns from the bathroom, she announces to me that she's realized she can't live without this guy. She doesn't want to date anybody else and that she's called an Uber and is going to go over to his place to win him back. I tell her I think it's an awesome idea. I wish her luck. I feel badly because I either encouraged a stalker to revisit her victim or I caused her to get arrested. But either way, I didn't want to deal with it. Yeah, that's a win for him. That's a win. I mean, he just got to send her on her way. There's nothing he could have did in change tonight. He gave her a good time. She still went back. I mean, that's. You just hopefully, you know, she doesn't do anything crazy when she when she ended up going back to the guy or if she ever made it back to him. If I was him, I was like, babe, I'll, I'll pay for your Uber. Just go win his, go win his heart back. Let me leave, leave me to the bar. Yeah, you're like, I, I believe in you. You can do this. Yeah, you can do it, champ. You know what? I'm, I'm going to make T-shirts. I'll, I'll do T-shirts. We're going we're gonna, to campaign for you. Sure. Okay, so which one is worse, the married frog or the mental frog? Oh, good one. Um, for me, the worst one probably is the mental frog. Yeah. I'm going to tell you why. Because the mental frog, like, the guy was obviously a scumbag. And, and thank God it was kind of interrupted. And, you know, he's going to go back. And he, that's not gonna, he's not going to stop doing that. But the lady that just came out the psych ward, I mean, <laughs> Jesus. Like, that is, that's just heavy. You know what I mean? Like. I feel like that's way more layered. Like, this guy at this point is a professional. He just happened to get caught. Uh, he'll, he'll go back to doing this again. The mental frog, man, if he was to end up, you know, locking up with that girl, I mean, he may be the next one, you know, she may have made a voodoo doll out of him. 
You know what I mean? His picture may be on a dartboard, or, you know, he could have got dark. So she exposed herself early, but I, I just couldn't be, I, one, I couldn't imagine being in a bar. And she, you know, we're dancing, laughing, and she just starts breaking down crying. The next time I look, she's on the floor crying, texting, you know, on the phone, calling her ex. And then so um, that that probably would be the, probably the worst one for me, the mental fraud. Just that, the other guy was just a scumbag and got caught because obviously by his reply, he was just like, oh, so you're not into married guys with a family? So he was just an idiot. Yeah, I'm with you. Mental frog, obviously the worst. Okay, so here was the frog that was sitting on the throne as of a few weeks ago. So it was, mm-hmm. it was a girl. She got set up uh, with this guy by a mutual friend. He picked her up at her place. He was super hot, nice car, the work. She thought he had his shit together. They go on this great date. He's very charming. She's feeling him. So when he goes to drop her off, she invites him back into her place for a nightcap. So they end up drinking, making out in her bed all night. They fall asleep there. But when she wakes up in the morning, she realizes that she's all wet and that someone had pissed the bed. So she knows she wasn't that drunk, looks over at him, quickly realizes he's his pants are wet. She knows he did it, but she doesn't know what to do because she really liked the guy and was like, was he that drunk? I don't really know. So she wakes him up, confronts him. He freaks out, gets super defensive, says he didn't do it, that it was her, storms out, calls her gross. She never saw him again, and I guess it was kind of like a race to the mutual friends to each tell their side of the story. So he, like, blamed it on her and told all their friends, no, she peed the bed when she did it. I totally agree with his move. <laughs> you do. So yeah, said totally, the same thing. Yeah, I totally agree with his move, and I'm telling you why. Because if a girl pisses the bed and tells her girlfriends, oh, I end up pissing the bed, he got on this guy, and I was like, oh, Jennifer, it happens to the rest of us. You're so silly. You're the best. Sucks for that guy. But if a guy goes back and it's now a thing that Jeff pisses the bed, <laughs> he is roasted. He would not be allowed to any sleepovers. He won't be even allowed to take a nap on anybody's couch because it's, he's, he's a bedwetter at 38 years old. He wets the bed. So I think it's way more uh, it's way more damaging for the guy. He had to protect his brand and his rep. A lady, a, a woman pisses the bed. It's like, oh, she'll be all right. She'll get over it. It's not a big thing. Too many fireballs. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with his move. So which one's worse, pee frog or mental frog? Oh, by far still mental frog. Wow. Pee frog is like, I mean, I, I sound like I'm advocating for bedwetters, but uh, that's not the case. I just think the mental frog is just way heavy. Like, she could have just started scratching the guy's face out, you know, next to the jukebox, and he would have never known why. Like, mental frog is real heavy, so you got to be careful with the mental frog. So we have a new champion, according to Willie yeah. Cologne, who yeah. who knows a crazy person. So, wow. Yeah, that's why I dumped their ass. <laughs> and I have to tell you, now that I'm kind of marinated over the peace situation, you're right. If one of my girlfriends called me and said, I went on this great date, I had t- too much to drink, I peed the bed, I am mortified, I'd be like, it's fine. You yeah. know, it'll, it, it, I'm sure he, he'll move past yeah. it. If my girlfriend called me and said, this guy peed the bed... I'd be like, disgusting. What is wrong with him? You're Correct. totally Correct. right. You're so right. Mm-hmm. I know. Damn. Mm-hmm. All right, Willie. Well, this was so fun. Thank you for playing along. Thanks for the chat. And it was great to catch up with you. You're the best, though. Anytime in New York, got to stop by the bar. Oh, now you know what's going to happen for sure. Turn up. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
All right. One of the most daunting tasks of planning any kind of get together is the bar. We've all done it. You go to the store, you just start piling things into your cart, beer, wine, booze, whatever you can find. You're literally guessing at what and how much to get. So wouldn't it be nice if you could just pick up the phone and call someone, have them take care of it for you. And that's exactly what Liquid Spirits new DIY service does. St. Louis's premier beverage catering service now offers DIY packages. So not only will they take your guest count and create a great supply of your favorite beverages, they can even deliver it to you and it's chilled. How about that? They're going to literally take care of everything for you. So your party's going to be awesome. You're going to look great and pull together and you didn't have to do anything. Minimal effort. So the next time you're planning an event, give the professionals at Liquid Spirits a call. 314-347-7297 or just visit them on Facebook and Instagram at Liquid Spirits STL. I mean, how great is Willie Cologne? Don't you just want to have some drinks with that guy? Chop it up with him? Of course you do. No lie. Next time I'm in New York City, I'm hitting up Willie. I'm hanging with him in that beer garden. Come hell or high water. I will make it happen. All right. You know what time it is. If you haven't already, head to Apple Podcast. Search for Small Talk. Find it black box white writing. Subscribe to it. Rate it. Preferably five stars and leave a review like this person. Charlie Salick. Salick? Sorry, Charlie. I'm sick. Give me a pass. Charlie says, A-plus content, five stars. Awesome and fun show. Michelle is a great host. Even a diehard Cubs fan like me can appreciate this pro-Cardinal show. Thank you, Charlie, for the review. And thank you to your Chicago Cubs for losing last night's game versus the Cardinals. I mean, really, you could spin it that the Cardinals prevailed and they won the game, but you know what I mean. Huge, huge series. Huge game last night at Wrigley. There's few things better in life than a do-or-die rivalry baseball down the stretch. So really looking forward to watching the next three games. Actually, the next six games that the Cardinals and Cubs are going to play together. Anyway, thank you to Willie Colon for joining me this week. Thank you for listening. We're going to be back in action next week. But until then, good night, Boston. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.